Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Leadership Lane. My name is Rita Chinkota. I'm really pleased to be speaking with you again. And what I wanted to touch on this week was empathy in leadership. Empathy's kind of come back in vogue. Uh, I don't think it actually ever went out of vogue, truth be told. But I think given the last two years, We're certainly spending a lot more time as leaders thinking about how we can best understand our teams at a collective and individual level. Now, of course, when we think about empathy, it can mean different things to different people. And sometimes a lot of that is in the way that we express it. And also a lot of that is actually driven by the way that we like to receive empathy or receive that understanding from other people. It is commonly confused with sympathy. And of course, they are two very, very different things. And in leadership in particular, when we're leading teams, when we've got that responsibility for motivating our team, for creating an environment of high performance, of excellence, of really elevating the impact of the team, empathy is about tuning in to each individual. And it's certainly not sympathy. So it's not about feeling sorry necessarily if someone is going through a particular hardship. Empathy is fundamentally about understanding and there's a curiosity that comes into that. A leader that is empathetic will tend to ask more questions than they answer and there's some vulnerability that comes into that as a leader and and that's something that I've touched on before in these podcast episodes that vulnerability can really be quite challenging as a leader because it puts you in the position of learning as opposed to the position of knowing And as a leader, we can be, I guess, tempted to believe that we have to know it all. But in fact, learning and having that curiosity, there's something very humbling about that, that our team members also appreciate. So why is there the focus on empathy and leadership? Like, why do we actually need it in organisations? We, you know, we know that empathy, sometimes it's called out as a value or it might be called out in position descriptions and capability frameworks and the like. But what does it actually mean when we have more empathy in teams? And effectively, teams that have a greater focus on empathy have much stronger collaboration. They've got deeper trust in the relationships. Really, the relationships are of a higher quality and there is absolutely increased psychological safety that comes with it. When empathy is abundant, there's really a deeper desire to seek to understand. And it goes back to that concept that I just mentioned around knower, of course, versus learner and taking on more of that learner attitude. When a leader is empathetic, they care really deeply about their people, their needs, their challenges, and their focus is really on how I can support them as a leader. So I talk a lot in my Leadership as Coach program about trust, connection, and engagement. And when a leader demonstrates coaching techniques, uh, I call it out in my ACEs model. Uh, My ACEs model stands for ask, calibrate, empathize, and support. So empathy is called out as a core pillar in the leader as coach model. And leaders will often say, how do I become more empathetic? You know, often that notion of being more empathetic is about slowing down. As leaders, we're always running really fast to try and get lots of things done, uh, get things ticked off the project list, get initiatives moving, get them back on track. Uh, you know, often we're, we're keeping team members on track too and helping them deal with different challenges they may face. And then that's not even touching, you know, what happens on a 
personal, you know, personal level with families and, and different roles that we might play uh, in, a, in our personal lives as leaders. So leaders often ask me, how can I be more empathetic? And the first thing I often say to leaders is you've got to slow down and you've got to take the time to really understand what that person is going through. That need for empathy often comes when we can't see the perspective that the other person perhaps has on a particular issue. We may kind of scratch our heads and go, why is it that that person is having that particular reaction or why is it that they just you know can't get their minds um, across a particular initiative that you know you might be focusing on uh, in your team and when we slow down it helps us take what I call the perspective walk it helps us think about the issue and, and really walk metaphorically walk around the issue in the shoes of the other person but before we can even slip on their shoes and I'm not sure if you've ever tried to put on somebody else's shoes, right? My daughter and I have the same size feet. And we, if I put on her shoes, whilst we're the same size, it's uncomfortable. They're molded to her foot, right? Uh, and likewise her when she puts on a pair of my shoes. Now, literally walking in someone else's shoes, which is what we talk about, right? But we talk about it in a metaphoric sense. But if you try and do it uh, in an actual sense, it's quite uncomfortable or it can be. Because the mold of the shoe, you know, it has that shoe has molded to that particular person's foot. And so taking a perspective walk, and when we talk in leadership about, you know, really seeing the issue from that person's perspective or taking a walk in their shoes, it's much easier said than done. I mean, let's face it. You know, we can we can say that and we can have every intention of doing that. But when it comes down to it, that actually can be quite a challenging thing. And so for leaders, this is about slowing down and this is about genuinely, genuinely seeking to understand how that person's viewing the situation. You know, why are they being resistant to something? Why, um, you know, may they, you know, they might have a different point of view, but why is it that you can't come together as a team and really collaborate effectively and get to a sense where you might, you know, you don't have to have the same opinion or view on something, but at least that group consensus um, and often it's spoken about you know we might have thrash it out uh, around a board table or a you know again metaphoric board table but then once we're out of the room we're, we're all agreed on, on what it is going forward and we've all signed up to it we've all committed to it and we don't walk out the room and then you know bad mouth someone else for sharing a particular view or stab each other in the back because you know we, we weren't brave enough to share that view uh, in the meeting or in when the discussion was actually taking place. So taking that perspective walk is, you know, about understanding what might be going on for that person. Now, empathy mapping, which is usually used in design thinking, but it's used a lot by my colleagues in marketing uh, and other areas, particularly marketing though, marketing, branding, uh, anything around the consumer, could be product, you know, when we're thinking about our consumer and how our consumer and our businesses make buying decisions and in the people and culture space, which is where I spend my time, it's about the human experience, that employee experience. We often use empathy mapping in design thinking. So if you've done any work in human-centered design, you'll, you'll know what I mean. And if you haven't, I you know strongly recommend um, checking it out. So empathy mapping originates in design thinking as I said, it's heavily leveraged in marketing. And what, what we use it for is really to help us understand people's thinking. 
it helps us deepen our understanding of the particular stakeholder we're focused on so we can better cater for their needs. Now, I've looked at lots of different versions of empathy maps over the years, and I've adapted one, which um, is actually listed on my blog, on my website. So if you go to readachincotta.com, uh, you'll go to a blog and it's, um, you know, why leaders need to be more empathetic. And in there, I share uh, a version of my empathy map. And I'm going to talk you through that today. Um, you'll get hopefully the, the visual as I'm speaking to you about it on today's podcast. But if you do want to have a look, um, pop in and I'll actually put it in the show notes so you can see what I mean. And you can just go into the blog and, and pick the template up and use it um, for your own purposes. And of course, this particular version of it, we discuss at length in the Leader as Coach program too. So the one that I like to use um, focuses on someone, you, you know, you adopt a, a persona, if you like, or you don't adopt it, but you're really thinking about an avatar or a persona um, in your mind. So if you, as a leader, it could be someone in your team, um, anybody in your team, really, that you really want to just get to know a little bit better and really understand why um, they may think the way they do, why they may have a perspective on something that's different to yours. And so what you're doing as you're moving through this empathy map, you're focused on what they say and what they do. And they're things that are seen. Yeah. So if you think about what someone says and what they do, we hear it, we see it. These are all very obvious indications of their position on something. Then we also think about what they think of, you know, what, what they think about um, in relation to a particular issue and also what they feel. And the thinking and the feeling boxes on this empathy map come under what's hidden. So we can't always see what someone thinks and we can't always see what someone feels. We may pick up some non-verbals, non-verbal cues based on how they um, hold themselves in a meeting, on our most recent interactions with them, but we're not always going to really be able to see uh, what they're doing in this space. So that's why we say what is said and what someone does is very much seen and what someone thinks and what someone feels is very much hidden. And these four quadrants come under the banner of action. So these are all actions that we can actually see. But then there are a bunch of influences that sit underneath um, this two by two quadrant model. Uh, so what they say, what they do, what they think, what they feel. There are a whole bunch of influences that sit underneath. And these influences are also obviously heavily influencing the person's thinking mode and what they might say, do, think and feel about a particular issue. So the influences are what delights them what they detest, what they defend, what their desires are, and what their disappointments are. And if you can spend some time thinking about those five D words under the category of influences, and then if you can spend some time thinking about the four quadrants, so says, does, thinks, and feels, you will have yourself an empathy map and a much deeper understanding of your stakeholder, perhaps a team member, or a colleague or a peer, whoever you'd like to produce that empathy map for. So there's a template there that you can absolutely have a go at using. Um, I think that it is the most effective way to try and understand a person. Now, I won't, no, actually take that back. It's not the most effective way. The most effective way is to sit down and spend some time with them uh, 
and get your own sense of what they say, what they do, what they think and what they feel. But a precursor to that would be that you've had a go at completing the empathy map. And then you may choose to sit down with them and validate some of your thinking. You're probably not going to sit there, pull out your empathy map and go, hey, I've, uh, I've completed an empathy map on you during the course of this week and I'd like to just validate my responses. You're definitely not going to do that. Not strongly recommended or suggested at all. But what you might do is just have those the empathy map that you've produced in the back of your mind and then you could have a conversation with them. It could be over the course of three to, to four or five conversations with them where you are validating what you have picked up in terms of clues around um, their behaviours and what you know they're thinking, they're feeling, they're saying and they're doing as part of you creating this empathy map. And once you've got that validated, you're going to have a really good understanding of um, that person's perspective on a particular issue. So I can't strongly recommend enough the use of empathy mapping. It's so important as a tool in leadership But you'll find once you've done it a couple of times that even when you are embarking on a new project, a new initiative, when you're even thinking about, you know, what might consumers, clients, buyers think about this thing that I want to put out to the world, you are so well supported by getting out an empathy map and just filling it out and then validating it to the extent you can, um, road testing it with a few different stakeholders, and then you've got yourself a a pretty deeper understanding of where that stakeholder might be coming from. So that's empathy mapping. And that's probably, other than having a a good conversation, um, the precursor to that would be empathy mapping. The other thing that I suggest that leaders do um, is ask more questions. And I did mention this earlier on in the introduction. And the context I gave for that is that as leaders, not knowing and actually asking questions can put us in a position of vulnerability. My view on that is that it doesn't need to. So when we ask questions, if we think about questions as feeding our curiosity and being genuinely open to whatever you may get as an answer, whether you you know, it's a, an answer that you may like, one that you may not, but in asking questions, you are not assuming. And I think that's, that's often where we go wrong in many situations in life, actually, we assume and they're so dangerous. We know that assumptions are dangerous because It's the world according to us. We've not taken the time to explore with the actual person that we're thinking about or with, you know, the person that's concerned with whatever it is that we're trying to resolve. So asking more questions is about genuinely seeking to understand and it is about genuine curiosity. If you go in to any conversation with someone and you are asking questions but you've got the answers already in your mind, and if you can't hide that well, uh, you you will be found out. Um, people will get a sense very quickly that, yeah, they're asking me the question, but they already have the answer that they want. And therefore, what's the point of them really asking me the question? Uh, it can be seen as quite patronising and it's just not a cool thing to do. So I, I would, you know, if you're going to go down the path of wanting to increase your empathy in your leadership style and you're going to go down the path of asking more questions, then I'd strongly recommend that they're really genuine questions, that you're not just going through the motions. People can smell that out and and you end up not looking cool. So if you're going to ask more questions, really have an intention of developing a deeper understanding. Um, And as I said, be curious and genuinely seek to understand. Now with questions, carrying on from that theme, 
but you've got to ask really good quality questions, yeah? So if you're just, if you're going to ask a, a pretty ordinary question, that's not cool either. If we're taking people's time by asking them questions, having a conversation with them, it really pays to put some effort into the questions that you're asking them. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to have 45-minute preparation for every 15-minute discussion that you're going to have with someone, but it does mean having a good repertoire of questions that you can call upon. And the best ones that I like are those open questions. So the what, the where, the how, the why, the when. And we've, we've all learned that through different walks of life and, and I'm sure in different leadership travels. But those questions elicit open kind of responses. They invite a discussion and that's the main thing. They're open type of questions. So asking open type of questions and really good quality questions will ensure that the person feels that they can be adequately heard uh, they probably won't feel shut down provided you give them space to answer the question that you're asking them and provided that the question is a genuine one. And that goes back to that earlier point around asking more questions, but really genuinely seeking to understand. So asking good quality questions is really important. So not, you know, really open-ended, definitely not patronizing, considered questions, and just be really respectful and mindful of the fact that you are accessing and using somebody's time in having that conversation with them. The next point around empathy in leadership is taking time to really understand issues. Now, leadership, it takes time. You know, it's it, leadership effectively is you're investing in relationships all the time and your actions are on show whether you open your mouth or not. And I think leaders, you know, we, we forget that by virtue of the fact that we're leaders, we set the temperature when we walk into a room. People feel our energy, even in a virtual space, which we've all been playing in for the last couple of years, people will still get a sense of, they'll get the temperature check, you know, that energy check. Um, when you're the leader, you really set the temperature around that. And it's important to understand that. And I guess important to use it in good measure and use it to your advantage, but not in a malicious kind of way. So if you know that you have a heavy influence in setting the temperature and setting the mood and the energy, then it's important that you give your team time. And that is because leadership is not something that's done quickly. And leadership is also not something that sits to the side. You know, I, I hear that at least a couple of times a week in speaking to leaders. And, and I really wish that leaders would except um, as hard as what it can be, it is part of, it's your role. It is actually the key component of your role. It's the prime reason that you are there is to lead. So I, I understand that a lot of roles these days will be a little bit hybrid. They'll have a combination of technical expertise and skills, but also leadership. I understand that sometimes people are promoted into leadership roles and they don't want to be there. You know, they are just really good at technically what they do and they're a very good subject matter expert that sometimes finds finds themselves promoted into a leadership role. If that is the case, uh, just be honest. And, you know, I, I think it's either you take on the full gambit of the leadership role or you just go, hey, it's not for me. I'm really happy to be a technical expert. Thanks very much for the offer. I'm flattered, but it's not for me because leadership is, is damn hard work. And when you are in that position, your team needs your time. And that means being really focused. Uh, multitasking is a massive furphy, right? If, if Look, at different times, I, I'm, I'm sure I've worn it as a badge of honour that I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. But if I look back at the times in my life where I've had to seriously multitask because I've had that much on, 
the quality of what I've produced has been absolutely compromised because I don't have that singular laser focus. And therefore I can't have, I can't do deep focus work when I'm spread so thin across so many different things. So when we are trying to develop our empathy in leadership, we really need to take the time. And that means not multi multitasking. So if you have a one-on-one with your team member, that's what you're doing. You're doing the one-on-one. You are giving them your undivided attention. Uh, and I think virtual has meant that we probably can be distracted a little bit more than what we can in person because it's less obvious. But make no mistake, it's it's still seen. If you are stuffing around doing something else, checking your emails, checking your text messages, checking a WhatsApp message, and you're having a one-on-one with a team leader, a team member, um, who may also be a team leader of yours, they're going to be able to tell. And the message that that gives them loud and clear is you're not important enough to me in this conversation. And with empathy comes care. And when you're demonstrating a lack of care because you can't give someone the undivided attention, they they see that and um, it sticks out like a, a real sore thumb. So it's about really taking the time. If if you've got one hour one-on-ones and you find yourself getting distracted and also not having the time to do them, then I'd be saying reduce your one-on-one time to 30 minutes and really give that person 30 quality minutes and 30 minutes of undivided attention. They will appreciate that. And you know what? You're probably likely to cover so much more in that time because it's undivided attention time and you are probably getting through issues a lot quicker when your attention is on full focus on them. So I think absolutely honor that individual that's in front of you, give them your undivided time and attention. And that builds trust. You know, when they see that they've got that attention, that focus from you, they are more likely to be open and vulnerable. And that is key, you know, you know, for you to develop that empathy and and really that care for them. And the final point is taking that perspective walk. And I talked about this earlier in this podcast, but, you know, you're putting on someone else's shoes, they're going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But even if you take the analogy of just taking a walk around a very, very big building and perhaps, you know, not appreciating that, oh, wow, I didn't appreciate that at certain times of the day the light hits that building in this way or that, you know, the shadow that it casts provides this particular imagery or whatever it might be. You know, you get that sense that if you're walking around a massive building, and you don't do that too often, you you may be surprised at the different view that you get and you may be surprised at the appreciation that comes with, gee, I didn't know that that's what happens when I walk to this side. And that's exactly the same in taking this thing that I call this perspective walk. And that means you're, you're seeing the issue from the other person's perspective and you're after you've done that empathy mapping exercise where you're really in tune with what they say, they do, what they think and what they feel, You've got a different understanding of their perspective. And that absolutely is fundamental in empathy and particularly in leadership. But most importantly, it strengthens the trust, the connection and the engagement that you will no doubt be looking for with your team because that's what equals great leadership at the end of the day. So I hope that that has been useful for you today around um, empathy and leadership, why it's important. I've given you five ways around how you can build it. Uh, In the show notes, I've got a link to the blog, which will give you an understanding of the empathy map that I've talked about today. And if this is of interest to you, check out the Leader as Coach program, because we do spend quite a bit of time in that program focused on empathy and why it's so important um, and why it pays off for you as a leader. 
Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to um, having you again on the podcast next time. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,